Black African Power family, what's good? What's happening? A well-organized lie. Defeats a disorganized truth every time. Ooh-wee, man, what's good, family, man? Y'all already know what it is, man. It's God killing the house, man. Real Black Atheist Scholar. What's good, family? Yo, we're here to do a little brief, brief history of the um, conscious community. And i just like to make the statement uh, we're not in competition uh, with anybody that decides to do the history of the conscious community or the history of anything. I seem to think, matter of fact, I know for a fact, it's important for all of us to give out uh, a view. So let me real quick give a shout out, shout out the true historian, man. I see he did a show yesterday um, on uh, some histories of the conscious community, man. So, you know, MB Cannon, man, I appreciate y'all work, man. Uh, when I finish this show, I think I'm going to go ahead and take a look at that. I know we all have a lot of different perspectives, and it's just important for us to always have um, understanding perspective and just scholarship on certain uh, situations. Uh, you know, I got my comrade in the fight. Brother Sahotep, what's good, man? What's up with you? Peace and blessings. Uh, been a minute. Uh, everything's good over here. Uh, continuing the learning and build uh, so we can do some monumental things in the future. So yeah, I appreciate the topic and I'm um, glad you uh, and delighted and honored to be on the show. Yeah, man. So, yeah, man, we want to we want to kind of get back into doing some regular shows. Uh, I know we all been busy. Um, I think you and Sinjetti, man, y'all going to be uh, doing something in March. Am I correct? Um, the ASCAC conference is in march and it's actually in philadelphia this year the international conference and um so both of our abstracts have been accepted uh and so i forgot what he's speaking on specifically but uh i'm going to be introducing the concept of china into my relabeling of negro egyptian and um the and how ancient Kemet is in, should be reassociated or realigned or re-included into the Bantu universe. And so um, 2018, I'm gonna be really hitting the relationship between Bantu and uh, uh, ancient Kemet. And so, uh, so we can take care of some, some, some scholastic uh, <laughs> things. So, uh, I'm officially kicking it off in March. <laughs> Beating up on some old foes and some corny heads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those who refuse to study, but yet want to make claims off of not studying, that will always get you in trouble around here. Yes, yeah. indeed. So, you know, we, you know, man, that's good, man. And that ASCAC is a big deal. And kind of like maybe we can talk a little bit about that um, yeah. slightly because that's definitely part of the history of um our community you know what yeah. i'm saying that's definitely that's some strong individuals uh kind of put that together what is the daggone thing uh, sinjetti sent me something damn the paper and it gives you who the organizers was ask cat got that paper yo uh paper no the paper. it's the actual you know the flyer but it tells you who was on the board ask cat Family I mean, problems and all that. That's uh John Henry Clark. That's Dr. Ben. Mm -hmm. That's uh um 
Asa Hillier. That's uh, Dr. Jacob Carruthers. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's a, a a group of individuals who will you know probably get in um, in conversation about you know in 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 this uh, conversation per se. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, Sister Nzinga. Uh, I'm just going off the head, so I don't, um, you know, I don't know if you had like the official. Trying to find it. So he just sent it to me. I got the official thing. He sent it to me too. Hold on. Oh, man, where you at? Where you at? Where you at? He actually sent it to me. Where the hell is it? Um. Man, I got a damn email. All right, hold on. All right, right here, the official Ask Egg Bo show. That's what you're talking about, right? Um, I assume so. Yeah. All right, let's see here. Um, Ask Egg I know. I see. I see. Yeah. Huh? So you can also go online. So just as I was saying, like it was founded in 1984 by John Henry Clark. You got his name in there. Uh-huh. Ancestors. They got and they got four, one, two, three, four ancestors. They got uh like Let you said, Zenga Haru. Mm-hmm. There's uh Jeffries, Jacob Carruthers, Dr. Riketti Amin, uh Yosef Ben Jokanon, and Dr. Milana Karena uh Karenga. Yeah, they got uh Eve, uh they got Theophile Banger, um Joyce, Greg Carr, Vice President, Greg Carr, uh Muriel Beatty President. Yeah, um, that's the current like uh, advisors and, and past, you know, um grace and stuff, but it was founded by those who I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Dr. Clark, Hilly Jeffries, Ben Yokanon, Milana Karanga, and Dr. Jacob Carruthers. All right, I'm back. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Um, let me see here. Uh, so what was we at, Asal? I'm sorry. Where's you at? Talking about Corell. We were talking about the ASCAC. Who was on the board of that? And, and and where would you put this at? Where would you put that organization? And first of all, let me say this. I would like to say that <clears throat> uh, I know the thing that we got today. The thing that we all involved in today, with the different platforms, um, you got to add in the blog talk radio. That's part of it, right? Mm-hmm. It's modern thing. You got to add in YouTube because it's these two platforms that kind of gave the community its stardom. You know what I'm saying? Before that point, you had to you had to deal with the with the DVDs. You know what I'm saying? All right. Um, 
And specifically, <laughs> DVDs and before the DVDs, the tapes. You know what I'm saying? That so there's there's different sections in this. And and I'm thinking when 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 really when you're talking about consciousness or talking about being aware or woke and all these different things, I think it was always surrounded by knowing the history that was taken from you. Uh-huh. I think the whole thing stemmed around that, understanding Africa and your place in Africa, understand Africanism, you know what I'm saying, whatever. You, it, it was this whole thing, the very foundation of no matter what you call it, right, was always supposed to be understanding Africa and our role in world history. Am I not right or wrong about that? So is that not what the foundation was supposed to be? Uh, that's part of it. Because um, there was different schools of thought who uh, wasn't necessarily involved in the study of, of, of black people internationally, but were nonetheless part of what we call the uh, independent African Academy. Yeah. And so this independent African Academy, we have to look back, we have to go back to slavery. And so in the, in the transatlantic slave Holocaust. So as we should all know that African people were enslaved by European people, kidnapped from Africa and brought to the United States uh, to be uh, slave labor, to conduct slave labor here with no pay for uh, 200 uh, and, and a few more years. And of course, in 1863, 1865, if we go dealing with Texas while we celebrate Juneteenth, um, the quote unquote enslaved Africans were freed, quotation marks. Um, and they wanted to participate in the larger society. Um, but of course, we know the, the following subsequent Jim Crow laws and things uh, barred us from a lot of the advancements and institutions and resources that the mainstream American society was able to accumulate as a result of the free slave labor that they had this 200 plus year start on. So education was one of those things. So remember that African people could not, it was illegal for them to read and write and be educated during the enslavement period here in the United States. And so when slavery ended, there was this, this great hunger of for African people to quote unquote be educated. And so since we were not able to go into the, the dominant European institutions of learning, we had to create our own independent institutions for learning. So you started seeing schools pop up all across the, uh, the country where uh, African people lived. And, you know, some of these were funded by like, you know, white abolitionists and things of this nature and others were funded by each other. You know, whatever bit of money that we could, you know, scour up, um, we were able to create, you know, these schools, even though some may have been small, some started off in someone's home, uh, a church turned into a school during the week, you know, uh, different means 
of, of getting, you know, an education uh, was was utilized during this period. So in terms of the late 1800s. And so but even at this time, you know, there was still an identity in identifying with Africa and African people. Um, it, it, it wasn't until a lot later in the, in the 20th century do you see that, you know, we were just truly trying to separate, not necessarily separate, but distance ourselves from Africa proper or whatnot. But during this time, this is when you have, for example, the African Lodge and the and Masonic, the development of the uh, African Methodist Episcopal Church and stuff to this nature. We were, we were identifying ourselves with Africa. And so when we, when we think about these academic movements, it really starts, there's, there's really three hubs in the United States for this. It is Chicago, it is DC, and it is New York. Now, you were, you were talking about, you know, earlier, I forgot if it was offline or on. Um, well, I'm sorry? <laughs> offline, I was talking about uh, Herbert Harris. Yeah. Right? Well, he was an atheist. I want everybody to know that. And then I was talking about Schromberg, right? And yeah. and we was talking about uh, the difference, too. This is in the 1900s, basically, right? Um, so, you know what I mean? Like, I know the Schromberg, you know, he was really dealing with uh, academia. That's what he, you know what I mean? Matter of fact, let me come to this text right here. I put this together. I did this about four years. It's called The Return of the Great Ones. Uh, those who wrote to change history. See you on the cover, all right? <laughs> and so I think we, so let's come to page 117. Negro Society for Historical Research. It said 1911, Schromberg, co-founder of the John Edward Bruce Negro Society for Historical Research to create an institute to support scholarly efforts. It said for the first time he brought together Africa, West Indies and African-American scholars. Schromberg was later to become the president of the American Negro Academy, founded in Washington, D.C. in 1874, which championed black uh, history and literature, okay? And so we, if we look at this time period, let's look at Harris for a minute, all right? Get over here with Harris real fast. Now, Harris, right, he did a lot of political things. So, so you was right, Asal. It wasn't always based on necessarily um, like academia or scholarship. You know what I'm saying? You know, you had to always you had people that was really dealing with real heavy on political level now. You know, fighting for their rights and just just fighting fighting to be known. And so he really uh, let's see what he did. Um, he was a political activist, right? He was also a socialist. You know what I'm saying? Like most people don't even know that know that about Herbert. Matter of fact, a lot of them during that time was socialists. Now that's real interesting. I done heard people say that John Henry Clark Mike was a socialist. Is that true or false? I mean, he wouldn't necessarily uh, identify with certain labels, but it really just depends on what. But he was more of an African socialist in, right. in that. So, um, but you know, you can continue. Mm -hmm. So, so let, let's see, around between, let's see, around, around 19, 1912, uh, let's see, um, uh, let's see, the Socialist Party of America, okay? So that's one of the things he's involved in, 
And so we we was trying to figure out. So we know how serious Harris, uh, Harris was, right? Harrison was, right? Herbert, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So in your mind, one starts off being dedicated, you know, to to, to African people and socialism, mm-hmm. right? The other was dedicated to academia and, and scholarship. So I guess we really needed both parts. Well, as I was saying offline, it's really not so much. Uh, how should I say? Because you gotta you gotta understand that even what Schoenberg was doing, there was a few decades before him, these other societies in which they built. And so we have to go back to these three centers that I mentioned earlier, Chicago, DC, and New York. So in DC, you know, you have what would later become um what would they uh, who would they call themselves? The uh Association for the Study. No, 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 my bad. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, the study uh the Association for the Study of Negro Life. And so that was out of based out of DC initially, but Carter G. Woodson expanded and broke it to Chicago. Now, what you got to understand about this group, and this is Huggins, um, that most of these people were actual academicians. They were were actually university trained individuals. And they were involved in the scholarship. However, um, they were more focused on African-American studies as a discipline, building up the discipline of African-American studies on college campuses. However, in New York, a lot of people didn't have access to the university because of a lot of restrictions and money and a whole bunch of other stuff. So you got to remember in the 1900s, late 1800s, there's not a lot of masters and PhD black folks. You know, you have uh, W.B. Du Bois coming out of Harvard. Carter G. Wilson's the second one out of Harvard. It's not that many. You could count on your hand how many people have PhDs at this time. So people are still learning external to the university. And so when you go into Harlem, for example, um, there was already a rich independent African academy, you know what I'm saying there. And so in, in other places, for example, like in 1892, you have the American Negro Historical Society. This is based out of Philly. 1911, the Negro Society for Historical uh, Historical Research. That was birthed out of Yonkers, New York. 1897 was the American Negro Academy, and that was in uh, DC. And so from the 1800s, you had these institutes, these independent academic institutes that weren't associated with the university, but were in the community. And um, they were, were building a body of knowledge. And, and Schoenberg comes a little later, you know, um, uh, of course, in 1911 or whatnot, uh, to, to help in, in building that tradition. However, the people out of New York, because remember, New York is now having an influx of people from Africa directly from Africa and other internationals uh, from the Caribbean and stuff like this flood into Harlem. 
So now they have the groups that come out of New York has a more international scope. So this is where you get these groups that are that are primarily pan-Africanist because they're pan-African uh, in scope. And because they're based in more so a community, what we would call the community today, you know, they were more um, trying to find ways to interpret the the strong academic language and to put it in a way that is accessible to the layperson so that it can influence them to make uh, different types of social change. And that difference, because it makes a big difference when we when we talk about what is coming, you know, later on uh, in that mix. So, you know, the the, the New York uh, independent African academies were were not primarily uh, uh, academics in the sense that everyone involved had degrees. No, they didn't. You know what I'm saying? So, but the, the, the DC, it was more dominated by people who had bachelors or above degrees in various different uh, academic disciplines. And so they were more concerned with the, of course, the correcting of, of black and African history, but they were more, more in, uh, in tune to building a discipline that can counter and uh, be on par with the other disciplines at the university level. Whereas the New York's uh, camps were more so focused on community and Pan-Africanism as a whole. And so their, their aim was more international. And so, you know, you see these in terms of the attitudes and even the publications that come out of these different uh, camps. Mm. But the tradition, so that, but the point is the independent so-called conscious, what we're calling conscious community existed from the late 1800s. And has, has it's, it's over a hundred years strong. Mm. And so, you know, we'll get into what what actually constituted and what they were doing and how serious they were in comparison to now now you know and, and what we lost so we can we can talk about their aims and 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 the methods that they went to to getting knowledge so for example we know dr john henry clark he's a part of that independent uh academic uh, uh african academy right now we know that he was a, a an autodidact in a sense, but he wasn't just an autodidact. He actually took university courses. He just never went to earn a degree. So, for example, in the 1930s, he went to Columbia University and took courses. In 1948, to, between 1948 and 1952, to New York University. 1956 to 1958, New School for Social Research. 1958, the University of Ghana. And in the same year, he was taking courses at the University of Ibadan in Nigeria. So while he was with Schoenberg and everyone getting instructions, you know, from other self-taught bibliophiles, he was also going to the university, getting that education. And, 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 and is that which culminated into what we know and, and love about Dr. John Henry Clark, his ability to be, be scholastic and be thorough in that sense but to be able to speak in plain language so that the laypersons, you know, could get it. But he had both of those trainings. And so, but he just never went for the degree. You know, he was, he was given an honorary degree. He was given an honorary degree later on in life. But, you know, 
people with degrees were consulting Dr. Clark. You know, they they were asking him, he's he's signing off on PhD dissertations. You know, he's instructing and informing generations, you know, um, uh, of, of African, future African scholars. And so these are the kinds of things that, you know, we have to uh, keep in mind. So again, he was part of that uh, Harlem History Club. And this is one thing that we got to understand in, in terms of the difference between the independent African academies and the conscious community today. Back then, they were actually creating study and research groups. Mm -hmm. And they were systematically and as a group studying and putting out information. Mm -hmm. The conscious community today is more so about an individual who may know something who just simply teaches, but isn't trying to, as a group, study and research and solve African problems, publish these things to be on par with academia. They're just a whole bunch of foolish. Matter of fact, I'm gonna read something if you allow. <laughs> the glow as they glowing that growing climate of of going against the things you just talked about is, is what we have. But go ahead though, so I'm gonna read from uh, this book, John Henry Clark and the Power of Africana History: Africological Quest for the Decolonization and Sovereignty, by Dr. Ahati N. Torre. N. N. Torre. Now, the, the author of this book, he, um, he, if y'all can see it, he um, was a teacher while I was at the University of Houston. Matter of fact, he was getting his PhD at the time. Um, and, but he was teaching uh, at, at the University of Houston when I went there in the early 2000s. And um, so I know, I know Professor Torre very well. And, um, and this is a very good book because this gives you a good outline basically of the evolution of the conscious community, even though that's not the focus. Because you know, the focus is on, of course, Dr. John Henry Clark, but more so what, what schools of thought, what was his training? How was he trained? Where did he train and how, you know, did people influence him and how did he ended up influencing others as his, you know, saying life progressing the scholarship advanced. But there's an individual, what page? I think it's on 31, starting on 31, by the name of John Edward Bruce. <laughs> and so y'all can, you know, write down that name. So Clark was uh, influenced. John Edward Bruce was a journalist. And I'm just going to read this first paragraph on this page 31. It actually starts on page 30. Uh, a sentence from page 30, but continues on. So listen carefully to what, what, um, what was going on at this time. So he says, among the leading intellectuals of the era whose work would indirectly but profoundly influence Clark, Dr. John Henry Clark, was journalist John Edward Bruce, who saw African history as a powerful tool for intellectual liberation and African empowerment in the United States. During the 1890s, Bruce was among a generation of African intellectuals who saw the US 
in continental African history as means of creating an ethos of nation and cultural solidarity sufficient to sustain collective action to counter European oppression and dictatorship. So as I was stating earlier, it's about the scholarship being used, you know, for political purposes to, to strengthen African agency. In writing, however, he sought to translate historical knowledge in ways that were accessible to the average reader, seeing the African press as an affordable and popular medium that effectively reached community readers. So again, this is in the 1890s. This is before Schoenberg and all of them. That the, this independent African academy, they're publishing, they're, um, they're, they're doing research with the aim of uniting the uh the african the the continental african histories and the u.s african histories you know for uh to help build a, a sense of consciousness within the people a true conscious community to help move and advance african agendas forward and so um he hold on uh he, he also said like uh what is this uh, quote here? He says, um, this is in one of his writings, that uh, contemporary African culture could play an important role in rebuilding Africa. This is Bruce talking here. And so, you know, they, I'm sorry? Oh, I thought you said something. No, uh, hearing ghosts, I ain't saying nothing. But keep this also in mind. Um, he says that, of further significance, and I'm talking about Dr. Uh, Torre here, of further significance is the fact that Bruce and others like him helped to train succeeding generations of scholars and historians to carry on the tradition of independent scholarship. This they accomplished despite the absence of formal academic training, university affiliation, or financial resources that were more readily available. However, stingingly, to the very university trained Africans. He said, thus, in 1911, Bruce would partner with Puerto Rican born Arthur Schomburg, one of Clark's most important intellectual mentors and professors of Africana uh, history, to create the Negro Society for Historical Research, an achievement one scholar called a significant step toward professionalizing and popularizing the discipline of African American history. So, in essence, they were both involved the DC and New York branches with the discipline of Africana history. But the DC uh, group, again, was more so in, in academia, having that fight in academia. Whereas the New York branch with Bruce and uh, Arthur Schoenberg and them were, were having that academic, they were building the, the discipline, but it also included the community. As, as in, in terms of the students. And so the last part I read, I wanted to highlight the simple fact that Bruce and, and Schoenberg made it a, a point to train generations in historical research. So you just didn't come to a lecture and hear someone lecture and say, hey, black folks did this and that. You went to school, you had homework. John Henry Clark had homework. He had to write papers. He had to critically analyze text. 
<laughs> you know, he couldn't just regurgitate something that someone else wrote. He had to produce knowledge. And so <laughs> I just want to read this one bit and, and I'll let you uh, continue. And so one of the, the blessings of this book is that he, he, he highlights the features. I think I read this on a previous show, but I'll read it again. The features of the independent African Academy, quote unquote, the conscious community. So it's broken down into four primary features with uh, some uh, sub details of each feature. So this is the characteristic. So when I read this stuff, compare what they were doing in the Independent African Academy to what the conscious community is doing today. So research methodology, which was the focus on the development of research libraries and specialized collections, extensive library research, emphasis on the use of both secondary and primary source materials, consultation of sources typically suppressed in the European Academy. So they were focused, they had a focus on research methodology. Then you have the pedagogical methodology, pedagogy meaning to teach or the, or the study of the ways of teaching. So close associations and mentorship between professors and students, lectures, discussions, and directed readings. So you came to the lectures, you had a discussion, and then you had homework. They directed you to some readings. Emphasis on the international dimensions of African history. Exploration of African history in relationship to the history of other non-African peoples. So remember that Arthur Schoenberg told Clark that you need to study European history before you attack African history. Because African history is the missing pages of world history. And yet you got to study African history and African people in the context of their relationship with non-African people. So that's why this was important. Pan-Africanist examination of international experience and interconnections of Africans globally. Then you had the theoretical assumptions. African agency as a historiographical starting point for historical interpretation. That means we start with African people and their mindset. So we didn't take it from the standpoint of Europeans. Like, you know, African history start when this white European stepped on the continent and discovered the Nile River. You know, um, African nationalism and Pan-Africanism, skepticism of assimilationist, Europeanization and Christianization. Indigenous African culture as the basis for modern African human development in society. We just read that from Bruce earlier. And lastly, the publication mandate. Research publication distributed through African controlled vehicles accessible to African audiences. So not only did you have to listen to lectures, you had discussions and you had homework, you were expected as part of being this, of this independent African Academy, um, a, a publisher, of new knowledge. Because remember, they were trying to correct African history. But not only were they simply trying to correct African history, I know I said that was going to be the last thing. But, um, but this is important, and this is going to be up your alley, and I'm going I'm to I'm alley hoop it to you. 
Now they hooping. Oh, you crazy. So, uh, Arthur Schomburg, I'm reading from page 38 of this text. Mm. And then I'm going to skip to this last sentence in, in, uh, on the first part of, of page 39. So it's not long. Um, it says, in this essay, Schomburg argued that Africans in the United States had to adopt an attitude quite different from that of Europeans, for whom history was ostensibly less important. For Africans, the consciousness of the group's collective historical past was an imperative of repairing the social and psychological damage that affected the group. Let me read that again. For Africans, the consciousness of the group's collective historical past, remember the conscious community started early, in the 19, early 1900s, um, and the psychological damage, or excuse me, repairing the social and psychological damage that affected the group and persons within the group as a consequence of centuries of enslavement and human violation. Quoting Schoenberg now, history must restore what slavery took away, he asserted. Quote again, for it is the social damage of slavery that the present generation must repair and offset. So one, they, they have an objective for their studies. They're studying to repair the damage of slavery. That's the primary focus of the study. It's not just simply for academic um, uh, regurgitation and masturbation. We have a job to do with this information. And this is why this last part is, in, is, is important. Schoenberg advocated that the study of African history move from the vagaries of rhetoric and propaganda, Negroes just talking, to to which it had been subjected by the white supremacist historiography, and in which it had been kept, in some instances, by overzealous counter-arguments. So, I have to read that again. To which it, Schoenberg advocated that the study of African history moved from, quote, the vagaries of rhetoric and propaganda, unquote, to which it had been subjected by white supremacist historiography in which it had been kept in some instances by overzealous counter arguments. In other words, pseudoscience from mm. back in the day. Instead, the study of African history must become, quoting Schoenberg now, systematic and scientific, unquote. A systematic and scientific analysis would render three conclusions about the past. He noted, first, Africans were active agents in their own history and in their, in their successful struggles for liberation. Second, the notion of ex, exceptional African individual achievers, I've read too far, but that's why I wanted to stop. Um, instead, the study of African history must become systematic and scientific. And so this is quoting Schoenberg in the, in the early 1930s. So they weren't just studying African history, they just weren't accepting any old thing from overzealous counterarguments. So what what has happened today in the conscious community is that we have these overzealous counterarguments, um, these pseudo arguments, to argue against, you know, saying white folks like you know, like white folks uh, was uh, you know, and this of course is the nation of Islam was grafted by some scientists in a cave, mm -hmm. you know, or that. You know they have this monkey gene that makes them, you know, saying who they are. Where would Ali Muhammad argue that? Reese's monkey. Reese's monkey. 
Yeah, so the rhesus monkey. Then, of course, there's the volcanic sulfur hypothesis by uh, Dr. Ali Muhammad, you know, um, which we had to counter some, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, you know, is that we get overzealous trying to counter the pseudoscience on the European about African people and African history. And so the, the difference between this conscious community that has become popular on YouTube versus the 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 Bruce's and the Schoenberg's and the Clark's of that era at the beginning of the conscious community is that they understood that in order to truly counter the European, what we had to do it uh, when we're studying and presenting our history had to be systematic and scientific. And that's the exact language that they learned. So when we when we're talking about research methods and science and all of that other good stuff, remember, Garvey was a big advocate of science. You know, even though he was a, a, a Roman Catholic, he advocated science, you know, as one of our, of course, largest pan-African icons. So the, the, the origins of the conscious community was built on solid and sound scholarship research methods, you know, and they had the aim to be able to debate and be on par with any European in any academic setting anywhere in the world at any time. So they trained you to debate those cats. And so, you know, that's where I'll leave it. And, you know, you continue. I talked too long. No, you was good. I think you gave us a good roundup. Let me throw real quick in here. Uh, if you come to page uh, 103, I have a point of reference, right, about the Harlem um, History Club. And I think this is a, a very, very uh, important point in history. You know, in Harlem, now you you, you named Philly, and you also named um, uh, D.C., and, and you made distinguishing factors between the three, and I think that was excellent right there, right? And so, in this Harlem History Club, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll add John Henry Clark, Willis Nathaniel Huggins, we talked about him, we'll talk about John Jackson, Joel A. Rogers, Charles Seifert, Richard B. Moore, uh, William Leo Hansberry, that happens to be one of my favorite, uh, Leo Hansberry. Okay, I think he put together that one of the first uh, um, African-American history classes in the school systems, right? Uh, Richard B. Moore, I said that. Um, uh, Kruma, Kwame Krumah. Um, so at this point, I think we see why. And as a matter of fact, this discussion actually uh, came up because we've seen just how crazy um, the community, you know, that has been popularized, okay, has become. And so it's the social media platforms, okay, that's actually projecting an image that black people that supposedly are conscious, you know what I'm saying, has this pseudo history so that's crazy to me that the image that that is actually projected on youtube and facebook and all that is really pseudo history and overzealous arguments and this is supposed to represent the most intelligent people you know what i'm saying amongst the african-americans or at least represent those who are supposed to know the history because when african-americans consider themselves getting woke the first place they come to is what they're calling the conscious community 
when exactly that ain't even a conscious community. You just explain what the serious conscious community was. You know what I'm saying? When, when, when we're talking about uh, uh, people like the John Henry Clark, uh, the Hubert Harrisons, you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, Jolie Rogers. I mean, these serious dudes. And even when you went before then on how serious it was to have a certain method. So in this book, The Return of the Great Ones, right? I don't even start off with them. You know what I start off with a song? I start off with um, study to show and prove, black, discuss black discuss discussion clubs. And they give you a whole layout on how you're supposed to have a black discussion group, okay? Then we go to study circles. So you got book discussion, book discussion clubs, you got study circles, then you got research. And I talk about methodology. I talk about the scientific method, right? I give you a definition of what a theory is, then a scientific theory, hypothesis, and peer review. And then I go into uh, the Harlem uh, History Club. You know, you know what I'm saying? So, so I understood what it meant. But the majority of people that's coming to consciousness these days, right, just based off of the overwhelming popularity of YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, they're really not even understanding, really not even getting the real conscious community, right? They're getting the watered down, zealous arguments of those who decided to deal with new age science. And this is what I like to really get in. So we got to go back to the days with John Henry Clark and it was rocking, okay? Dr. Ben lectures, right? And it wasn't no DVDs during that time. Nah, it just wasn't. You had to be at the daggone lecture, all right? You had to go to the slave theater in Harlem, right? And go ahead and listen to Dr. Ben as he traveled the country, John Henry Clark and them. You had to be at the lecture. You know, everybody think it wasn't no DVDs yet. They had to take, what, what are we gonna call them tapes, Asal? Just the regular cassette tapes, right? What we call them? The VHS tapes? VHS tapes, right. Right. So when you start to talk about VHS tapes, right? <laughs> we all had to go to New York and it was a little, maybe two, three websites that sold them. Right or wrong? I can name a few. I this know there was uh, men, uh, Professor Small's website. He had... Uh, Facts. Less men of respect. What was it called? Men, men of respect, respect right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. men, men of respect. Most people don't even know that. I wonder if that's still up. It probably you, is. <laughs> you could get the you you would get the, the CDs, yo. Not even the DDDs, but the CDs. It's just the audio. They would record the audio. The audio. Like you had to get the audio, and you had to get the, the regular tapes. Like I had a I got a whole box right now. I could grab a whole box full of the tapes you put in your car. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what it was on. You would listen to Malachi Yoke and all them on them tapes. You wasn't looking at nothing yet, right? Then you get the CDs, right? And then you get those tapes, right? And you could go to Harlem, you could go to Sarnetta table in Harlem. We catch planes to go to Harlem just to get them tapes. All right. And so you gotta with this new age era, you know what I'm saying? Is being ushered in by technology, y'all. Technology that our elders didn't have, or ancestors, those are now ancestors, they didn't have this technology. Remember, they were standing up doing a thing. This is a crucial portion. Right of understanding how the conscious community or the unconscious community or out of mind community got to this point. So you got people like John Henry Clark, Dr. Ben, they rocking hard. You got people like uh, um, uh, in the 90s, right? 80s and 90s, you got uh, uh, Phil Valentine, right? 
You got um, uh, I know Bobby Hammond, and I know Bobby Hammond is college educated, right? You got you can't forget um, uh, um what's his name, man? Uh, man, Monatomic Gold. Uh, God dang, oh, what's his name, man? Um, know who I'm talking about? I'm, I'm introducing the metaphysicians right now. If you're talking metaphysics, Devil Blair. Devil Blair, okay. Yeah, you okay? Watch how I'm starting to draw a line and saying that. You got metaphysicians, people like Phil Valentine, Bobby Hemmings, and the boys, right? What was they teaching? Was they teaching the scientific method like the original conscious community was doing? Nope. They was teaching a new age science. Remember me, you talked about that. They was teaching an alternative to science. So they was actually following the white boy route. You know what I'm saying? Because since the European community had already dealt with the pseudoscience and they pushed them out. So they had this whole crop of people who came up with a, a an alternative to science. They call it alternative science or new age science. As a matter of fact, you can go to Barnes and Nobles and you can find all the books and everything that those teachers I was just talking about, right? Was talking about. They didn't have a they didn't come up with no brand new research, none of that. They simply took the route of dealing with the new age or the new age science, right? And this is where the trouble starts, in my opinion. I think it's it's kind of a combination of things that just kind of kind of coalesced uh, around this thing. So one of the first things that we have to mention is that, you know, a lot of the, the serious scholars from the 60s and 70s, you know, were becoming a lot older, or at least got popular in the 60s and 70s, were becoming a lot older and they were kind of dropping off the scene even though we had a lot of tapes by them they had other focuses by this time so remember at this time is also you know your uh marimba anis your um uh francis crest welsing your naeem akbars your uh it's a whole slew of them you know at this time where uh we're, we're getting this information but they're all at um associated with the academy but again in the true independent african uh, academy tradition they would come to the community and bring what they learn from the from the academy to the community um but within that that larger frame you you also got to understand that there's also an independent spiritual movement going on and and this is what really kind of ignites um uh, you know that going in that lane in which you're talking about because everyone is is pretty much focusing on the academic study of black people in history the political study of african history but as living african people we're we're, we're also spiritual too and so there wasn't a lot of serious information out there to where people could engage and be African in the context of spirituality and religion. And so it's only really kind of in the 60s and 70s do you start getting like continental Africans really coming over here or people actually going to Africa and getting initiated into African religious systems and coming back. But those movements weren't as great as these others so people are still in the academic mindset of going to books to find information about uh metaphysics and 
all this other kind of stuff. But the only things that are available are the, the stuff written by people who are influenced or by herself, the Madame Blavowski um, crowd. <laughs> and so it's, it's, it's from this people, you know, get into that. Of course, there's the Hebrew Israelites, there's the 5% movement, there's the, you know, of course, you know, the Nation of Islam. All of this is coming to par. And remember, hip hop culture has a lot to do with this as well. Because while Afrocentricity is developing primarily in the academia, the 5% nation is home in the streets. And in the streets is where hip hop culture is birthed and flourishes. So you're starting to get a lot of that rhetoric from the Nation of Islam and uh, the 5% nation along with the uh, the other political movements in terms of the Back to Africa movement, the Malcolm X and all of this other kind of stuff, permeating hip hop at this time. And we're talking now the late 80s, early 90s. You know, but it's Malachi, all, you're, I'm sorry. Plans 13X, Malachi, your game information start to permeate through hip hop. Exactly. These are non-scientific doctrines. These are non-well-studied doctrines. Go ahead. Exactly. So hip-hop is more popular it, it reaches the youngsters it reaches the masses better than you know trying to come in and and do a lecture at a community cd, and CD. Like <laughs> so, you know and it's popular at this time so remember consciousness conscious rap and all of this was popular in the late 80s early 90s so they're getting this information through bt mtv the box and all of this, you know, from their favorite rappers. You're hearing the Wu-Tang Clan, yo, God, and da-da-da. Everybody else in the country wondering, what's this language that they're using? What's this 5% lingo that I'm hearing here? So now everybody, what up, God? Eric B and Rakim. Eric B and Rakim. Eric B and Rakim, all of that. So the, 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 this information is becoming popular because it's permeating, it's being interjected into the hip-hop. And so now, you know, think about it. Even today, like those folks who you know are popular within that come out of hip hop and gangster culture where they didn't have to study and write dissertations and all of this other kind of stuff the way that John Henry Clark, Arthur Schoenberg and all of these other individuals had to do in the, in the early days of the, the conscious community. So it's kind of, it's a branch, it's part of it, but it's not really, you know, because what today's conscious community is a branch of hip hop culture. So hip-hop culture itself it's it's a free-for-all it's you add your own style it's about you know how you present how fly you know what I'm saying you are in your words you speak and stuff like this instead of necessarily having substance if you was to go back even 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 you know artists who we think was really kicking some stuff and really analyze and critically you know assess the, mm -hmm. their claims and the song we all of that is pseudo whole wu-tang clan album pseudo you know what I'm saying but it's the most jamming it's the most jamming thing ever you know what i'm saying and so you know we got to keep these things you know in mind that is it's not like a direct is it's, it's kind of a jump in around the corner kind of way that you know the current conscious community so so we got hold on so we got we, we so, so we got the changing over from tapes the CDs into those uh the VHSs, right? We got hip hop is starting to come into being. You know what I'm saying? The Sugar Hill Gangs and all that. 
and then, then you get to get the X clans and you get all that. So we got the hip hop. These are the avenues, right, that the serious scientists didn't have. You know what I'm saying? That that's crazy. And and it's and it's and it's amazing that they didn't even mention that in hip hop. Okay. Then then you got another platform coming along, and we call that blog talk radio. This is an integral part of what made the conscious community. Thank goodness that early in the life of blog talk radio, we had we, we had some shows that was dedicated to history or something close to it. You know what I'm saying? What, what year was your show? So I know my year was in, my, my show was in, um, uh, I think, uh, 19, uh, hold on. My show ended in 2000. When it started? 2007. Yeah, so it was around that time. So it, it was several years. So I ended my show, because I know you started with the um, the Unk and Nikki show. Yeah, uh -huh. Facts. Uh, and then, you know, Amara Squad show starts in 2010. A few right. months after I end my show, right. uh, and that's just coincidence. But that's that's I know that for a fact for the year. So, um, but like 2007, 2008, going up into that time period is when we was doing them shows. And so there was you know a whole Lipsum show. Um, who else had a show that was that was popular? There was a uh, Truth Terrorist. What's her name? Um, she passed away too. Um, oh. Really? Yeah, uh, it's a sister by the name. I forgot her name. She went by the Truth Terrorist, and uh, so it was, it was. It was only a few. So we would just hop to each other's and listen to each other's shows. So after each each of our shows, we'd be like, "Hey, go listen to so and so," and da da da. And that's how it was. It was only like maybe six or seven shows. All right, let's give a date. Hold on, let's give a date. Hold on, let's see. Uh, YouTube. Let's see when it started. Uh, former PayPal. Uh, Google brought the site in 2006, February 2005. Man, did they got the starting date for YouTube? Man, this is important right here, man. Hold on, hold on. Let's find a starting date. 2005, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. Yep, 2000. All right, 2005. That's YouTube, right? Let's see blog talk. Hold on. We're going to tie all this together. You didn't have that live feature. So that you really have to start from the live feature for for oh, shoot. that's two years ago if you're going to do that. You know. But I mean, but even still, like uh, people are posting, because remember that uh hold on. You couldn't post more than 10 minutes. Uh Facts. you know, at the beginning, you know. Oh, hold on, so look. So hold on, blog talk. It's 2006. Uh-huh. That's 2006 for Blog Talk Radio. I had a show in 2007. There wasn't no... See, this is the part people don't know. Check this out, Asal. It's deep because there wasn't any conscious material on Blog Talk Radio. I know we was amongst the first, just like I said. Now, my show was called Conquered by Religion, mm -hmm. right? And I was just trying hard, yo. <laughs> Watch this. I didn't have a scientific method yet. Thought I was hot shit. I promise you that. I remember those days. It ain't hard. Y'all can check the history, right? On the other hand, you had a show and you had all the right people at <laughs> all the right time, right? But we had a hell of a, because we had Chief Liberation. People don't even know about Chief Liberation. 
what I'm saying? Liberation unit, right? That was SETI, that was Ishmael Law, right? And a, and, and Chief Liberation and a few other people, you know what I'm saying? And, and we were serious. At least we thought we was. And we was keeping African sitting and banging on you. That's what we was doing. Then I moved to my own show, Conquer by Religion, and I was reading the books, going into the old books, right? And, and that's when I ran into you. I was I was needing help because they was always trying to attack me. You would come over and fight with this kind of new style I had never seen called academia and, and met that I was like, what, huh? And, and yeah, and I would always, and then Sajetti came over when I would make mistakes in the meta nature because I was one of the ones talking about the word nigga was in the meta. I did all those mistakes. That's how I be laughing or so. Because I know the mistakes was happening because I did it. But at least I had y'all to pick me up when I made the mistakes. But the point being, there wasn't nobody on Blog Talk Radio. No content. We was it. And then you add, like you added a couple people for a while. It wasn't nobody. But at least we knew to be African centered. At least you knew to have methodology, right? And then YouTube came. They said that's 2006. That's about right. Wasn't none of the features on uh, YouTube. Not none of them. None of that go live. That's dead. No, no monetization. Five minute videos, and that's it. I, my first video on YouTube ever was conquered by a religion. I never get it. I had over about a hundred thousand views. That's trust me with that. All right. And so you know what I mean. That's a very interesting thing. And so we got the hip hop culture, mm -hmm. right? We got uh, these tapes that's being produced down there and black marketed, mind you, by Sarnetta. Most people didn't know that he black marketed everybody's shit. You know what I'm saying? Right there in Harlem, right? The black market mecca, Sarnetta's in the middle of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's Sarnetta thing right there, yo. So he actually had the material, right? And, and he had everybody from John Henry Clark all the way to Phil Valentine, all the way to uh, Delwood Blair. Everybody, all this new stuff, we all he had all that, but it wasn't even categorized, right? It was just get what you can get. But we got to understand this as well. And, and I don't want to uh, diminish these other centers of, of education. And that is that not everybody got knowledge itself through those channels. And so other people went like there's 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 other cats like who like I come from the independent academy, although I went to the university. Like when I went to uh, the University of, of Southwest Texas State University um, in, in San Marcos, Texas, this is in 98, there is no black studies program at all. No black studies classes that you can take. The alphas, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated got kicked off the yard for hazing. But some of the brothers wanted to continue the programming so they started an organization called kumasi and in kumasi they would meet every wednesday and they would just study material and then everyone was in charge for bringing a lesson every other week so it was self-taught and we taught the students coming in and then they had to learn something and they had to teach a class that's how we kept it. But because they had a, um, uh, uh, they were a student organization, you could also get funded. So we brought in um, Dr. Ben, uh, what's his name? Anthony Browder, Naeem Akbar, all those individuals. But we didn't have any African studies program. 
There was no place on campus that you can get to get that information. So we had to create it. And so um, even when I went and moved to Houston, you know, Houston, however, at, at the University of Houston, they had an African-American studies program. So I took courses there. I double majored, uh, double minored, one in African studies and then in African-American studies. And um, but they used to bring people into the academy. But even still, you had groups, individual groups who would do their own independent um, thing. And they had a research. So the for, for Houston, we had an organization called uh, we had two different organizations. You had Tosseti African Historical Society and then you had the Talking Drum. The Talking Drum dealt more so with the African spirituality component. But the that. the um, Tosseti African Historical Society dealt more with the history and they was teaching meta nature and bringing Dr. B and that's how I met um, Professor Smalls through Tosseti. They brought to Professor Smalls in into Houston and lectured and then we had private lectures that the public didn't get, you know? And so you have these pockets in all these different cities. You can go into these major cities and you'll find these independent academic institutions, these study groups, you know, um, who were doing things that had nothing to do with Sonetta or hearing the tape, you know what I'm saying, from them. Because remember, these institutions have been going on since the late 1800s. And so you have these pop up everywhere. It's just that the New York Center was more popular because it seems like everybody came out of New York. So that's what like New York was like the, the breeding ground and, and where people expand, even though most of these folks weren't even from New York. John Henry Clark is from Alabama. You know, um, Arthur Schoenberg from Puerto Rico, mm -hmm. born in Puerto, born and raised in Puerto Rico, mm -hmm. you know, but it's something about landing in Harlem that it just kind of everything kind of coalesced. It's just a rich history there. And so they were able to do more as a group and and influence more there. And so, you know, remember, you had Kwame Nkrumah, uh, you know, going to school and studying with uh, John Henry Clark at the same time. You know, John Henry Clark knew Malcolm X and influenced Malcolm X for four years before he was assassinated. In terms of his teaching, he was he was there at the founding of the um, organization of, um, uh, of African Unity, the old AU. Talking about John Henry Clark, he's the one who helped to design. I mean, to uh, write up, you know, its aims and constitutions, which helps to influence the the organ the OAU in Africa itself. So it starts with Malcolm X after he leaves the nation. You know, hooks up with Dr. Clark. This is why Malcolm X had this 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 powerful pan-Africanist stance. Mm -hmm. You know, there's only two people come out of the nation that had a powerful pan-Africanist stance in terms of, you know, well-known people out of the nation. That's Malcolm X and um, Khalid Muhammad. And they put them both out. That's exactly. Let's get all that straight while we talking. And so, yeah, when I talk about New York, right, remember I'm trying to bring this up to the modern thing that they call consciousness. And where that left turn went, it seemed like they was pretty much still on the right track in Texas where you was at, bro. It kind of seems like that. But when it started making that left turn, I'm trying to tell you what it was, is that Sonetta had one of the most powerful um, catalogs of material that anybody had, but it wasn't categorized. It wasn't no labels. And see, this is when it becomes very, very dangerous. 
all you get is a lot of information thrown at you. And if you don't have methodology, if you don't have organizational skill to organize this different information, you'll just suck it all up like a sponge. You know what I'm saying? And that's the era I'm from. Getting all of that. Because, you know, like Bobby Hemmings was one of my best teachers. Uh, Malachi York. You know what I'm saying? Like, these are my favorite teachers before John Henry Clark and Dr. Ben. Go figure that, saw. Figure that out for a minute. Yeah, I started <laughs> off with the D-Ops. See, the right. nah, nah, I was looking at a dude talking about, yo, I got a D. I say, what, man? I got a Malachi York book. <laughs> <laughs> but remember, you know, like, my, my coming into consciousness and African consciousness began when I started school at the university. So again, when I'm coming, because I came into Southwest Texas State University as a Hebrew Israelite. So, you know, these same brothers I'm kicking it with later talking about African history, I was trying to convert them to the uh, Hebrew Israelite doctrine. And so I was talking about all that stuff is, is fake and that this is the white man's rhetoric, that the real <laughs> truth is in the Bible. You need to read Leviticus 11 and 7 and... Uh, Christ said this, and we'd have lost. I had the 12 charts down and everything. I couldn't imagine you doing that. That'd be funny, you know, that that was me. I'm, as a matter of fact, I might do a show. I'm going to bring some cats from Southwest, you know, um, as as an example of this independent African academy, the, the in terms of that lineage, in terms of that tradition, and what mm -hmm. we had that was started before mm -hmm. I got there. Um, and they'll tell you. Like they had, they did this beautiful African history exhibit in the museum, the library museum that we had at Southwest Texas State. Again, there's no teachers, none of that. They, these are students who are, who are putting this stuff on. It's a dominant white campus and it's really white. Matter of fact, they had a racist uh, fraternity there in a fraternity house. So from where my dorm was in Buckner Hall to go to the gym, you had to pass by there. Um, their fraternity house and they would leave the doors open and you could see the lynchings of black folks on the walls. They make sure they put that prominent by the windows and the doors. So you can see <laughs> that the Nazi flags and all that. You know, they would, I remember one time, like, you know, it was me and my roommate, uh, Geraldo, walking by the, uh, their, we walked on their grass to get to, cause we was going to the gym, you know, in, in college back then, you know, once you get on campus, you got to go to the gym. You got to look good for the sisters. That's just how it was. So we was we was in the gym all the time. And so, you know, they was up there. Y'all need to get off our lawn. You know, all this other kind of stuff. So it was a group of them. We like, all right, because so, we was going to go meet up some brothers at the gym already. So, you know, we told them the situation. And then we all, it's about 15 of us. You know, we walked by the same yard. We like, tell us. To get off your yard, <laughs> you know, like we was ready, like it was tensions. Like they invited David Duke, you know, to speak at the university, and they they sent a, a mass email out um, to all the students, saying, uh, telling the incoming freshmen to don't date black people, and that the black men will rape um, your your the the white women and their daughters and stuff. This nineteen ninety eight, this ninety seven, ninety eight, and they let them stand. That's crazy. This isn't the 60s. This is 97, 98. So this is the environment that we're coming in. So there's no African studies. So we had to study this stuff on ourselves. So it's the, I'm, I'm just picturing this kind of as a microcosm of, of, of what was going on back then. There's no Africana studies. They built the discipline. When we're talking about Huggins, Williams, uh, Leo Hansberry, and 
Schoenberg and, and Carter G. Woodson and all of this, they built the discipline. Facts. You know, and so we, we have people who are supposed to be carrying the torch who just got lazy and just went off into space with some stuff. No, yeah, <laughs> I think that's what happened. <laughs> Listen, that's why I mentioned people like, uh, and I still felt like they was great teachers. You know what I'm saying? They just was bringers of different information. You know, like I love listening to Bobby Hemmett. You know what I'm saying? I never was a Phil Valentine fan, but yeah, I mean, you got to put him at the top of class with that. And then of course you got Melakai York and I can't never, you know what I'm saying, uh, 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 give him praise and reverence based off of his behavior with the, with the babies in the community. You know what I'm saying? But this was, you know what I'm saying, considered to be top-notch teachers. And it seemed like those types of people kind of affected hip hop. You know what I mean? They surely did. <laughs> so you gotta kind of, it's it's very interesting. You know what I'm saying? These people were great orators. Listen, listen to what I'm trying to tell you. That Malachi York, man, he could spit it with the best of them. Like the sound good, hit the flavor at the right note, throw the storytelling in it, give you some factual information, slide back on the pseudo information, <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, hit you with his refurbished information from people like Zachariah Sengins. You know what I'm saying? So, so you, you, and then you got Phil Valentine. He always hits you. You know what I'm saying? And then you got uh, uh my man. I keep forgetting his dang name, Delbert Blair. Yeah, you know I mean, he's the top metaphysician. So they brought a metaphysician type of spirituality into the African Senate community. They watered it all down. Now, watch this. Once they watered it all down, where did they get their information from? And I said over and over and over again, they got their information from the new age section, right? Located in Barnes and Nobles. I say this because this is a great collection, right? You can go to Baltimore too, everyone's place. They got a new age section that's enormous, right? So you got people like who you name one of them. Um, What's their names? Hold on, man. Some of the white boys. You got Alistair Crowley. <laughs> white boy. Watch this. And they was faking you out because you was thinking it was an African. Look, it wasn't, though. They did you like this. Let me show you how they did you. They got you with this one. They faked you out. They put your signs and your symbols on it. See? Mm -hmm. Since you ain't had proper methodology, right, you ain't know how to go ahead and break that down. All right, <laughs> trust me. Without without the methodology, yo, you was got. Cause look, they gave you this. This Alistair Crowley, and you really, you really thought he was giving you some African-based stuff. Look, cause remember, at this point, we were saying that the Egyptians was black, and so he was getting it, quote unquote. He's supposed to get into the the app, the African spirituality, or African systems, and they was coming up with these weird claims, like the land of move. People like. Uh, James Churchwood, Land of Moo, and all that stuff was kicking off hard. David Hatcher, you know what I'm saying? This was all, watch this. So, so, so this new conscious community was all based off of white information. I'm going to say it again. This new, new conscious community, all of it was based off of European information that it got kicked out of the academic realm in European society. 
They because they made it. They what they did was they actually started to categorize things. This is the pseudoscientists, <laughs> and these is the academics. They did that, and it's not until watch this. It's not until the Amaral squad came and we did that same thing. We drew that line, and it was so crazy. Saw the community literally hated us for that. Oh, they boring. You know what I'm saying? Because maybe we ain't have as good as jokes, or at least they thought we didn't. You know what I'm saying? Or maybe we wasn't as flavorish as they was, or at least they thought they was, right? They literally hated us for putting it back to where it originally was supposed to be. Uh -huh. Based off of people like Leo Hansberry. Most people haven't even heard of Leo Hansberry. Higgins, mm -hmm. they ain't never heard of him. Because they have Harris, Hubert Harris. Who the hell? Who the hell is Hoover Harris? They like what are you talking about, huh? Yep. Oh, so so, but watch this. So they use European information, all of it, no African centered doctrine, all of it, and now they get the boost from Blog Talk Radio, <laughs> which is technology, right? They yeah. get Sarnetta because remember Sarnetta, he never categorized anything. He just had all the information. Yeah, I mean, he has like one of the largest visual libraries, I think, probably in the United States. That's a fact, man. And so shout out to Sarnetta. So, so you gotta put Sarnetta right in the thick of this new conscious community period. Because everybody got a shot with Sarnetta. See, that's what most people don't know. He gave everybody the platform. And everything that I'm talking about right now, he has a visual library of everybody that taught all kind of information. You could have been a doctor, you was on Sarnetta's. Uh, you could have been John Henry Clark, uh, um, Dr. Ben, Reggie. I mean, you. I could just name everybody. I could go down every single solitary name. He had one of the greatest visual libraries. That's right. Visual libraries out of anybody I've ever seen. This is what I promise you. So this is the source, right, of this new conscious community where everybody had a chance. So if you was dealing with Dr. Ben and all them, right, your shit had to be spot on. Like, they wasn't listening to all that. And they never was willing to debate none of that. They never did that. They never stepped up and said, we're going to debate them. And I saw, you know, we learned our lesson kind of on that. We see why the elders never dealt with them like that. Because they were like, man, that's a bunch of crap. Go ahead with all that. Mm -hmm. Never really dealt with that. And so you got this new technology called YouTube and blog talk. And that blew the whole thing up. So now you got people who aren't necessarily trained. You don't got to be trained in college universities. Never said that, right? But you gotta have a methodology to determine what makes sense and what don't. But it's not even the uh, uh, just a methodology. A sound methodology. Facts. Uh, one one that uh, produces consistent results. You know, um, and and that's the thing. And so, like, uh, if if you don't mind, um, here's a shameless plug. <laughs> that um, starting in February 1st, which I think is a Thursday, or I might actually start that Sunday. Um, I, I've been mentioning before that I'm going to be doing a class on uh, research methods in Africana studies that is going to be accessible to the layperson. And so the, the cost of the class is going to be $25. It's going to be eight weeks. So it's going to be a crash course. And those who donated to the Go Get Them Fund you know, they already included into the class, so you don't have to um, um, pay anything uh, extra. Um, but that's the next step. So it's 
we can talk about and complain about it all we want, but until they have a means to learn the proper methods and to be guided by someone who was guided by someone in these methods, then you know we'll continue to have these conversations. So you know you would always hear Dr. Clark, or and and this is in the public lectures, Dr. Clark, Dr. Ben say, "Don't believe me. Study this on your own. See what I don't take what I say as truth. Study this material." But they never taught you how to critically analyze materials, how to systematically go. How to, how to determine what is primary versus secondary evidence, you know? Um, and the only one who was really kind of pushing that in the quote unquote conscious community was Professor uh, out of Cali. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I forget his name that fast. Um, and I've had it on my show several times. Oh, um. Mono and Pim, Professor Mono yeah, and Pim. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, we had to bring up. Yeah, yeah, facts. Mano and Pim, facts. Go okay. ahead. You know, so he's the one who had been trying to get people into primary research and stuff like this. And, you know, we, we're now in an era where, you know, this has become part of the forefront. So, for example, the, one of the main texts, which you'll, you'll have to buy for my course, is Research Methods in Africana by uh, Dr. Siri McDougall. I have an interview of him on my channel. Um, and this is a more recent publication, but it's an excellent grounding for how to study in Africana. But you have supplementary material. So, you know, uh, writing African history, this is a good text uh, to learn. So for people who are researching and writing African history, you have to learn how the experts in the field learn uh, and, and do research. What are the methods? You have to have these materials. Um, and then of course, and I'll be drawing from this as well in the re in the courses. Um, that's our very own U University of Kemet Press works. So we have this workbook here, how to plan, organize, and carry out research, the diagram book. Um, Dr. Ife Kilimanjaro and Dr. Ditka Kilimanjaro the husband and wife team. Then we have study teams. You're going to learn how to how to put together study teams. Ife Kilimanjaro, Dika Kilimanjaro, and brother Yara Aneb, um, you know, compiled this together. Then you have this text here, SIBA, a researcher's first handbook. Again, Dr. Ife and Dr. Dika Kilimanjaro. You know, so we have works. And then, you know, we have stuff by white folks, research design qualitative, quantitative, and mixed methods approaches. You have to learn and, and, and study these things so that you know how to assess information. So it's not enough. You know, John Henry Clark and Dr. Ben, they had a different agenda. They were just trying to get you in love with black people again. Mm -hmm. So you can, you can love and understand your, your history. You know, so they had a more political stand. But now we're at the stage, okay, we love and understand our blackness. but how do we critically analyze all this information? We're in the information age. We can Google anything. But how do we discern what is solid and what is not? How can we put to test, you know, people's stuff that they write in their books? 
And so um, you can go to maduandela.com and actually it'll be up tomorrow, Friday, which is what the, what date is that? Gonna be, um, it'll be the 19th, January 19th, 2018, uh, in the afternoon East Coast time, uh, sometime after uh, 12 or one, it'll be up for you to be able to go and, and sign up for the courses. But this is this is where we have to go. They have to learn. So now, you know, th there'll be no excuse. So you don't have to go to the university. You can go to online or you just pick up these books and practice. But it's best to study with a group. It's best to study with teams. That's what the early African conscious uh, community, independent African academy were about. Study teams. Dick and Kilimanjaro and, and, and Ife and Ireb and Arab. Um, I'm keeping this with uh, Yara on there, you know, and I, and I saw you holding up a book as well. Yeah, I'm holding up Saber, Research's First Tool. Mm-hmm. You have to Saber, put the, uh, the, the, the cursor on, your, on um, your thumb. You have to put the cursor on your thumbnail. I think I'm still up. Oh, okay. See the book. Whoever is uh, in control of that. Sister. You see it now? I mean, I can see it. I'm just, I'm, I'm wondering about the, the people, the audience. Hey, can I, hey, all right, okay, I'm on in now. See, Saber, yeah. see, Saber. Yep. All right, and so, you know, that's why this this book, the most y'all don't even got, The Return of the Great Ones, that I wrote uh, using all Wikipedia uh, references and sources is a put-together joint. I had enough sense to do study circles, so you know what a study circle is. You come to page eight. Let's see what a study circle is. All right, watch this. Kind of page eight. All right, study circles. Study circles are typically created by persons who discover a common interest, right? Other study circles may be created to analyze and find solutions to social, political, and community problems. Often there is no teacher. There is no teacher, but one member usually acts as a facilitator to keep the discussion flowing and on track and ensure that everyone has an opportunity to become involved as he or she wants to be. It's a reading material and audio visual aids are often used to stimulate dialogue. Hmm, all right? Have those study circles where there's checks and balances, right? This is what the new conscious community didn't have. Didn't have checks and balances. We just had a lot of information. That's the point I really wanna make. A lot of information, and this is what you're now seeing on YouTube. It's a lot of information. And so they, so this particular history that we talking about, when you deal with the new conscious community, right? And I told you it was based off of, right? Uh, just, man, all European sources. When, you know what? That ain't even a problem. Is that the information that we was using was alternative information. And so that put people in direct conflict with topics like evolution, which is really a contradiction because everybody, whether you're in the new conscious community, right, or the original conscious community, right, we all agree that Africa. Well, most of us, I won't say all, 
No, I only want to say that because you got people talking about the no, the Mar we born in America first. The the consensus is that African people are the mothers and fathers of humanity. One, you know what I'm saying, and that Africa is the birthplace. But when you make this statement, those statements have consequences, which is very interesting to me. That the new conscious community makes the statement that we are the mothers and fathers of humanity, but yet leave Europeans out of it. But they don't come from us. That's the new community. That white people don't come from us. They come from the Reese's, Reese's Monkey, Reese's McCat, right? Uh, Yakul. Well, they got their own thing. So, but you just disqualified yourself. Again, that's the overzealous counter arguments that uh, Schoenberg was speaking about in the 1930s. So they had some some pseudo because that's you know that's the origins of at the, around this time the um, Nation of Islam rhetoric and uh, the early Hebrew Israelites and all this other kind of stuff. So you you're finding all kinds of stuff. And then of course you know the 1800s is the Madame Blavatsky you know uh, type stuff. So this stuff like the pseudoism goes back. You know, hard, but they were fighting internal, you know, uh, black pseudoism and then white people pseudoisms when it came to you know general history. It's just that the white pseudoisms was just more popular. And I forgot to mention this book, uh, UNESCO's General History of Africa, Volume One: Methodology and African Prehistory. Well, that's, my, that's my favorite joint. That's my favorite joint. So let me catch my point back up again. Man, you threw me off, and saw. So I, I, I was, I think I was trying to make, I, I was trying to show you that, um, that the new conscious community, uh, actually, uh, um, uh, fights against its own self when they deny evolution. And the reason I'm saying that because when you make the declaration that African people is the source of humanity, but yet leave out other people. You just disqualified yourself. And if you're not, if you, that when, when you say that Africa or, or African people are the mothers and fathers of humanity, the only place where that's backed up is in the study of evolution. Because out of the raw data created by evolution gives you the conclusion that human beings, one, start in Africa, and two, black people. All the mothers and fathers of humanity. That statement is based off of the study of evolution. That's how they came up with that answer. So to use that answer, right, in the new conscious community, but not use the data and information that it came from, is so damn ridiculous that I don't even know what to say. Again, you know, it's see, people don't really understand how influential rhetoric wise. The nation of Islam has been in the conscious community. A lot of these arguments are nation of Islam arguments, period, which aren't based on scientific fact whatsoever. And so these these early folks were Elijah Muhammad didn't go to school and he wasn't, you know, said he had to write no research papers and defend his arguments. He used a, you know, um, I was basically chosen, you know, by God in the form of uh Fard Muhammad uh to bring about this message I'm the messenger and so you know when you have a direct message from God you ain't got to prove it you know you don't have to it it doesn't come under scientific scrutiny 
And so there's a whole bunch of stuff that comes out of Nation of Islam and 5% Nation rhetoric that, again, it permeates by way because it got popular in hip hop culture. And, and because everyone's coming out of hip hop culture into consciousness, quote unquote, that's where that stuff comes in, you know, or that's one of the major avenues in which a lot of this rhetoric is coming in. So when you're talking about Yakub creating the white man in the cave and all this other kind of stuff, this is part of that overzealous, you know, counter arguments against Europeans trying to argue that humanity came out of Western Asia. And so this is where you even get this whole Asiatic black man, because before um, Elijah Muhammad, you know, saying got in these teachings, that was the dominant um, argument. That's where he gets this from. He gets it from white people. That the original, so in, in his mind, the original man is the black man. So the original man had to have come from Europe. So remember when Shekhan Diop came out some years later in the 50s, he was arguing for the African origins. Like that was still an argument in the 40s and 50s. You know, and so the leakies are just finding stuff and now the, the scientific community is shifting at this time. But it's too late because the messenger, you know, read some books about the, 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 the origins of humanity being in Asia. And so now you got the Asiatic black man. It sounds good in a hip hop song, but in reality, that's not the case. And so, you know, we gotta we gotta be able to pinpoint where these ideas are coming from. And that's why you have a hard time trying to have a scientific discussion with folks, because a lot of them come out of these religious traditions that argue that humanity comes out of some place in the desert in Asia, you know, and that everybody's a son of Ham, a son of JPEF, a son of you know, um, the original oh, Arabs or all this other kind of crap. It's religious. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Hey, wait. Hold on. So, okay. That's deep right there. But watch this. And I'm telling you, all the misinformation that you got is definitely coming from white people. Watch this. When the school of thought of the Asiatic black man, man, that's Aryanism. That's racism, white supremacy at an all-time high, colder than black. Let's come to this book right here. Origin, the it's a origin and evolution of the human race. This was written in 1910, and so people like uh, 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 Hubert Harrison and them, you know, what I'm saying they was reading these texts right here because because white people was getting their shit together. We right <laughs> there when they getting their shit together, right? So this is what they say. Watch this. They say the first question, which which arises, right, is this: when and where did man make his first appearance on this earth? It say the biblical scholars tell you about 6,000 years ago in Asia. It say the earnest school in Asia about 20,000 years ago. See that? It's, so, so the earnest school tells you that man arose about 20,000 years ago in Asia. And so when the nation of Islam repeats this, they're actually repeating the earnest model of where humanity comes from. I bet you didn't know that. I'm not saying they did that on purpose, but I'm saying when the Moors talk about the Asiatic black man and everybody talk about that, man, that's right. You're actually promoting racism, white supremacy. And that's why I make the point that if you say that the black man is the mothers and fathers 
and the cream of the earth of humanity, right? The only place you get that from is through the study of evolution because the study of evolution is the study of African people as they trans as they move in different environments over time and are transformed in that environment to survive. And the data clearly shows you that as of 2018, and I say as of 2018 because those things could change, but as of 2018, the data actually feeds out to give you these points. And it's crystal clear that Africa is the homeland of modern people, plain and simple. And to say that Asiatic black man is doing exactly what I said is promoting racism, white supremacy, European information, non-scientific. But this is all culminates in the perfect storm. So we get the blog talk, we get hip hop, right? Which is killing the message, warning it down, right? I don't even know if they did it on purpose. Remember, uh, uh, hey, yo, you remember BDP? <laughs> yeah. Right, he was promoting the black Hebrewism. Remember that? Yeah, I mean, he promoted the black Hebrews. This is what I'm telling y'all, man. The whole Wu Tang Clan when Killer Priest came out, you know, I was a Hebrewism light, I was loving it. I'm like, yeah, Hebrew doctrine or hip hop just out there, you know. But beforehand, I was all, you know, X Clan. What's the name? Queen Latifah. Even she was in that Asiatic, you know, black, like all that, all that peeps it is it, is hip hop. I'm telling you, all of this comes out of hip hop culture. So the unrefinedness of the attitudes and the way that even the new so-called conscious community people teach comes out of hip hop culture because hip hop culture has become uh, so vulgar and street and gritty that, you know, and then people come from that life and you know they haven't been through any kind of training you know in terms of how to behave and how to deal with the public like when you go through the nation of islam that's how you have to go through that training you know because you can't just represent the nation you know um coming at people that way but a lot of these people don't join organizations they just come into consciousness and just be themselves but they still hold on the whole old attitudes and stuff to that nature and so and and you know present company included um <laughs> but this is this is you know something that has to be addressed it's really more so the hip-hopification of of knowledge and 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 the in the in the street culture permeating you know saying this so people you know there was a period in hip-hop because of when gangster rap came out in 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 like 1990 you know 89 or whatnot um it forced it, it pushed upon hip-hop culture on on this this quote-unquote keeping it real and then keeping it real meant keeping it street and gutter and gangster when hip-hop culture wasn't even founded on those principles and so the whole keep it real movement permeated on and kept on going even into the the, the late mid 90s and into the 2000s and so you know the people who got tired of the street life and came into consciousness or got conscious in jail you know saying got released um and you know you don't learn methodology in jail you know you get access to whatever books you can or is is mainly going to be um nation of islam in jail um you know and and maybe some hebrew israelites maybe 
but you get Christianity in jail, maybe some light Hebrewisms in, in Nation of Islam. And so all of this comes out into the community and, and, and people aren't necessarily refined in their character. They're not refined in their, um, their, their research methods. And we get what we get. We get the drama that we see. And I'll name names between Seti Pharaoh and what we had in, in 2016. Facts. And then 2017 continued with Dr. Umar, you know, and he has a PhD, mm -hmm. you know, but he, he, he want to keep it real. He want to be hip hop. And so, you know, you see the constant things that he's involved with, but he doesn't have real red. You know, you can you can have an expertise in one area doesn't carry on into another. That's that's what you learn in research methods courses. You know, so he may be good in psychology, but now he trying to he trying to uh, go into African history. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. And, and just be off. Yeah. He be off. You know? <laughs> be so, no, he, he do the same thing. Man, African people is first, but that evolution is a bunch of bullshit. He just yeah, <laughs> and it's like crazy. You know, it's, it's crazy, crazy. So, but go ahead. Watch this. William Leo Hansberry. I see what I'm saying. William Leo Hansberry. Right here. Here you go. He says, consequently, page ten, Professor Hansberry had to rely primarily on his own funds to finance his research and to purchase audiovisual aids for his research and classes in spite of these difficulties. Watch this. He was able to inaugurate the African Civilization section of the History Department at Howard University in 1999, 1922. By 1924, he had enrolled over 800 students in their different courses and was the vanguard of African studies right in this country. That's why we got so mad at Wesley Wesley Muhammad when he was talking about African studies and all that guy. We knew it was a shot on people like Leo Hansberg that actually started these departments. Feel me what I'm telling you. So you got Leo Hansberry, right? In 1925, uh, sponsored at Howard University, right? A symposium, the cultures and civilization of Negro peoples in Africa, at which 28 scholarly papers were presented by some of the students from the United States, uh, Panama, Columbia. It said the topics discussed by the, the panelists reflected the individual currents of Pan-Africanism for which Howard University has stood since Hansberry's efforts. Yeah, man, y'all ain't heard about Leo Hansberry. So, so the conscious community, the new conscious community, don't talk about Leo Hansberry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to let you know. Okay. And so and so the new conscious community is based off of a lot of misinformation and misunderstanding. And it's just really a whole lot of information with no with no categorizations, no understanding. Uh that there is no real, there's no elders. It's just like you said, it's like the perfect storm, saw. We get hip hop, right? Yep. We get blog talk, right? We get YouTube, and now we got a whole lot of D-list celebrities. D-list celebrities fighting over the hearts of the people. 
crazy. Like, you ain't going to be no more than a D-list celebrity, a D-list celebrity, teaching what we teach. Anyway, John Henry Clark and might have the status of C-list celebrities. Wasn't A, it wasn't B. Most people in America don't even know them. Most of people will know people from YouTube, though. That was it's just bananas. What you got, Asan? I was about to say, what you just talked about was kind of what was discussed here by Dr. Torre about uh, John Henry Clark. And he said, by white academia, he was largely unknown. But in the world Africa community, he was, you know, the ish. And so, like, they even named, like, at this one function, who was all there. It was dignitaries. It was... Um, other scholars, you know, from around the uh, the world who came to see John Henry Clark. This was shortly before he passed. They had a a, a, a function honoring him. Um, you had entertainers, you know, Bill Cosby's wife, you know, saying positive stuff about John Henry Clark, and a whole bunch of other stuff. P politicians in the U.S. Senate and stuff like this coming to visit John Henry Clark, you know, and so it, it's. You know, um, you may not be known, but they were known. You know, the the academia had to take them seriously. John Henry Clark, Shekhan Diop, Theofalo Binga, and all them, because they were they were they they could contend and challenge, and that's just the that's just the nature of the African school. And, and matter of fact, and briefly, that's why I got to bring up you know the work of like Jean uh, Claude Mboli who's by training is an engineer, a master's in engineering, math, science, and technology, and but who was able to put together this text here on the origin of African languages, building on what Diop and uh, Theofalo Obinga did. Yeah, but that's but, not the, you, you introduced that into the new conscious community, so that, you know, that's the point I really want to bring. And that's why I keep saying, yo, that, that you got to draw that line with the Amaral squad, see now people starting to realize what the hell we really was bringing, right? We was bringing back the real conscious community that was based off of things that 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 that, that, that are real, you know, plausible to do that you could really do, that you could really so you could be ready to challenge the world. You know what I'm saying? That that's what we was bringing. That's the that's the fight we was fighting, man. You know what I'm saying? We was fighting to put us back in order. Because the new conscious community was uh, anytime you got anytime you want to act like you want to shoot at somebody over the meta net you're not being deciphered, it's out of control. Yeah. <laughs> it's out of control. <laughs> but that's that's kind of the point I wanted to bring with, with John Henry Clark and others. It wasn't that they like Arthur Schoenberg and all of these in the early days. When you when you read their material, they weren't just concerned with finding some facts that would agree with their their thesis right. they they challenged even their own that's why they had to deal with a systematic and scientific approach as schoenberg said but also to refine um and and make more uh rigid not necessarily rigid make it more robust and and more scholastic and scientific the actual discipline and research of african people and so you have this you have this thing in the conscious community where when they want to debate you on something and and an African scholar 
does something or produces something that is seems unorthodox, the first thing that they do is they go to European scholars and say, this is how you do it. Right, crazy. You know, not assessing the method. They don't know nothing about the methods at all. What are the flaws in the methods? The African scholars point out the flaws in the methods, tidy them up, make them more robust and, and rigid, and then produce their work. You know, and so it's not enough to simply challenge, you're challenging their methods. This is one of the things you got to understand about debates, you know, and what we do in scholastic debates. The first thing and we're going to attack is your method. Because if you have a flawed methodology, you're going to have a flawed outcome. So trash in, trash out. So <laughs> we can't we can't just copy what the Europeans do if we have an issue with them. We have an issue with their methodology, not because they're white. You know, the whiteness has a, a, a different issue, the, the political issue. Scholarship wise is because they have poor methodology. Well, if they have poor methodology, what methodology are you going to use to replace what they're doing? You have to be able to be a producer of stringent methods, robust methods. And that's what the African scholars bring to the table. That's why when um, um, uh, Shekanti Dope and Theophila Wabinga came and wiped the floor in 1974 at the Cairo Symposium with these Europeans, because they weren't multidisciplinary. They weren't, they, their information didn't have to match up in all these other disciplines when they made suggestions about black people in African history. Check out the Diop and Theophila Abinga, um strengthened the methods and then presented. Now this stuff is standard. When you go to any academic conference, the first thing they're gonna talk about is a uh, um, multidisciplinary approach to this subject. We have a multidisciplinary. Who was the multidisciplinaries who brought all that to bear? Check out to Diop and Theophilo Benga. They don't get no props. Matter of fact, in this book here, this is written by a European, John W. Cresswell. Somewhere in this book, I have to find it. There's, they, in, in terms of the research methods, they start talking about individual perspectives in research as sound, legit research methods. Beforehand, they weren't talking about this. You know who changed their minds and who doesn't get any props for it? Let's see if I can find this book real quick. Um, and I just saw it earlier. Here we go. Dr. Malefe Kitty Asante, Afrocentricity. Forced academia to be more honest in terms of uh, how they approach the social sciences. And now the, the work that he's done in Afrocentricity is now standard. This is a, a, a master's degree, college, PhD degree level research design book. And this is what you have to learn. The stuff that he was teaching in here, which was quote unquote taboo, is now standard. But it's the African scholars who is, is pushing the envelope and forcing scholarship to be more honest and more robust. And so that's what Jean-Claude Mboli does for linguistics. 
The same thing Malefe Asante did with Afrocentricity and what Shekanta Diop and Theofalo Obenga did for multidisciplinary approaches to um, any kind of research in Africana. And so the Africans changed the game. And so that's why, you know, coming from a scientific background, I always say that demonstration. Freeze. Freeze. So let's let's establish that. They changed the game, right? That's why we follow them. That's why we stand on their shoulders. Where is the game changes in the new country community? You have to rely on us. We change the game back. So you go to that first book you picked up. Which one? With Diops and them, the first methodology. Uh -huh. Diops, uh, uh, Theophile Banger, and my man from uh, the West Indies. Um, uh, man, he wrote the book. Uh, damn, you know what I'm talking about, man. African uh, suit underdeveloped. I mean, uh, Europe underdeveloped. Yeah, yeah, Walter Rodney's. He's Walter dead Rodney. too. Okay, they was game changers. Yep. That's a fact. So, 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 like we like to say around here, there is no black. Hebrew scholar that has changed the game uh, amongst amongst the international community. <laughs> everybody, I'm telling you, everybody international community of Hebrews, there is no black Hebrews. There is no black Hebrew, right, that has challenged the international community and game changed the thing. No, it's not. Get that straight. So now you got to come to the people that you put forth in the community. They game changes, bro. Change the game, right? And you about to come out with another text that's gonna change the game. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm just I'm just telling y'all what it is, man. This is the history of the conscious community to the new conscious community, yo. And like I always say, so man, thank goodness for us. What if we had to check this out? Take us out the picture for a minute. You would have Sarah Pseudo Seti leading the way. <laughs> right if you don't thank goodness for Sarnetta because he allows excellent scholars on his platform always have thank goodness for him right trust me with that if not for that platform it'd really be bananas and that's like a two-edged sword you know what I'm saying <laughs> because you get all the information and if you don't got a methodology to determine who has what and, and what is what then you're in trouble. But take us out the equation for a minute, Asar. Then what? I'm pretty sure What would you have in the new conscious community, Asar? Seriously. Uh, I mean, hey. No evolution. Know. No, no. <laughs> no methodology. What would you have? And I mean, it's not like I'm tooting our own horn. It's like we the let it's the last stop. And then I'd be removed if we don't talk about uh, Dagger Squad. Uh -huh. uh, let's really talk about true historian MBK. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like them dudes be on that shit. Let's get all that straight. Mossy Clan, they be on that shit, yo. But, 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 but we know, you know what I'm saying, where the first goddamn frontal attack came from, um, Raw Squad. So where would the community be? Hmm. Because we took a lot of motherfucking heat, yo unnecessary heat because niggas didn't understand what the hell we was talking about. We were taking them back to where we supposed to be. Where would we be, Asar? Shit is interesting to me, bro. But, I mean, that's just the name of the game. If, if it was easy, then everybody would do it. And so, you know, you just gotta 
continue to fight the fight. In, 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 in a way, I look at it as, as, as two ways. So, you know, the, um, you know, we help the community to reorient itself back in, into proper alignment with our ancestral goals. Thanks. Um, but and also, you know, if the pseudo community didn't exist, they wouldn't challenge us in a way that it would force us to to learn and to to get up on some stuff to be able to teach different levels of people at different stages of consciousness. Mm. You know, and so you know, it's it's, it's full circle. It's, it's kind of a symbiotic relationship. And so, you know, they have helped us, whether we like to admit it or not. And, you know, we have helped, even if we haven't changed their mind, you know, we forced them, because think about this. When I was a Hebrew Israelite in the early 90s, they was not reading nothing on, on scientific methods, Egypt, yeah. none of that stuff. No. I'm telling you firsthand, that was not part of the, um, um, the, the book list, the reading list. But since we've been in this uh, this community, now you see all kinds of Hebrews trying to learn meta nature, and and uh, try to make scientific arguments. They're still off, you know. But they they at least trying to incorporate it, you know, into their doctrine. Early nineties, ISUPK, none of that was going on, hands down, you know. And so, um, you know, we're even even if we don't really realize it in that sense. You know, we're even changing how the pseudos approach. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, people like us. You know, when it comes to this scholarship, and so beforehand they could just you know close their eyes and meditate and align their chakras you know, <laughs> to get the information. Exactly. Now we're forcing them to be in the libraries and get this text and what's your reference and what's your method. Now they're trying to come with that, and that now they got pseudo and they uh, vocabulary when we're using it against them. So they try to use it back against us. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, but that's just the name of the game. You know, uh, we build. And so the, the people who aren't necessarily involved in that way, you know, they get to see, you know, and, and of course, in the end, they make their own decision on, on, on what helps them, you know, in their lives. And so, again, th that's where we need to go with it. So we've had these battles, but at the end of the day, you still have to make it practical. And that's part of our ancestral mission when it comes to our independent African academies is that we give them this information, but how can we use this in the final analysis, first and foremost, for food, clothing, and shelter? And, you know, saying to build a sense of community with each other and things of that nature. So no matter what we do, we always bring that back. So if we're talking about evolution, first and foremost, you got to talk about health. And so if you're talking about bringing up doctors and, and medicines and stuff like this, this is something they just have to understand. And so, you know, we want more doctors, more black doctors in our community, African-centered doctors. They have to understand evolution. It's just no way around it. You know, your medicine has to be evolutionary minded. Now, why does your medicine have to be evolutionary minded? Because we are surrounded by pathogens. We are surrounded by viruses. We are surrounded by diseases that will transform over time. They will mutate. They will transform. The same thing that worked on a Monday might not work on a Sunday. So if your medicine is not evolutionary minded, if you got the pseudo medicine, watch this. If you got somebody that claims to be a traditional practitioner, 
right? And ain't trying to understand evolution and say it ain't real, get the hell away from them. Because mm -hmm. I can I, I can go, I can go back to Nubia, right? Where, where, where they's the ones who come up with penicillin and, and they use their penicillin for over 200 years. You know what I'm saying? 200 years. Europeans ain't even using penicillin and, and stuff like that for 200 years. What is it about 70 years, 60 years? That's all. I, I, I can't give you that date, but it, it's relatively recent. Yeah, you got to go to the guy that they say Fleming. They say Fleming invented, you know what I'm saying? Antibiotics or penicillin. Right? That, so they ain't even 100 years. And already the diseases has, has, has started to transform and mutate where the penicillins and, and antibiotics aren't working. So if you're using antibiotics for over 200 years, you, you're understanding something about evolution. Because one thing we do know, they ain't going to use stuff to go ahead and uh, 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 they just don't work. That ain't, that, that ain't how it works. You got to heal a community. Yeah. So I'm going to say it again. That's the ultimate test. What would you say, brother? That's the ultimate test. In the final analysis, what can the people take home? Because that's that's what they're using this stuff for. What they All these white people ain't building these universities so they can pointificate. You know, they, they're utilizing that. Whether Even if it's a study of anthropology, they're using that information to gain um, uh, knowledge of a people so they can either exploit them or, or you know, gain something from them or, or influence them in some kind of way. You know, you got to you got to look at it that way. Everybody want to, you know, uh, Arthur Schoenberg told uh, John Henry Clark, you need to study European history first. John Henry Clark passed that method on to us, said you need to study European history first. You need to study them. And so we need to study them in a very serious way, the same way that we would study African people or they, uh, they study African people. Because, you know, if you're going to battle with them, if we are at war, you have to know your enemy. And you can't make up some pseudo stuff about them, you know, because you'll, you'll make a, a, an attack plan based off the pseudo-ness and get yourself killed. You know, and so it's just like you got to think about this like when you go into war. If the, if, the, if the scout comes back with misinformation, you'll send a team in to get ambushed based off of false information. So, the, you know, the, the, the generals and everything have to be critical thinkers. They have to be able to know what is false information, what is sound information, before they can send their troops out, you know, into an, uh, an area um, that could possibly get them slaughtered and lose the war entirely. And so people keep saying we at war, but they don't act like it. And, and, and when you're in war, intelligence is valuable. And you have to, and I'm talking about intel, information, and 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 it has to be solid. And you have to be a, a good discerner of information to be able to take that information and to create a battle plan and to execute that plan. You know, so that you can win the war and and um, complete your objectives. So you know, this goes beyond simply, um, you know wanting to go against people about evolution and stuff like this. They're yeah. using this information for war. This is war. And and you have to be sound-minded. You have to be clear-thinking. You have to be strategic. You have to be systematic and scientific. And there's just no way around it. All those other ones 
you know, who who believe otherwise, who think that they can just tune into the universe and then win the battle because the ancestors and some God is going to come fight on our behalf. You know, you're going to get yourself killed in, in listening to them. <laughs> They're going to bringing you into an ambush. And so, um, and that's just the fact, you know, and, and I know my place. I'm an African spiritual practitioner. I know the, the benefits and the limitations of their approach to understanding the universe. And I utilize all to the best of my ability. But, you know, one thing that I understand is that, you know, knowledge is power and, and you have to have the right knowledge. And so this is about the establishment and the maintaining of black power. And this is war. And so John Henry, I mean, excuse me, Jacob Carruthers wrote the text Intellectual Warfare. And people need to read that and people need to study that. Matter of fact, you know, besides those types of books, you also need to have uh let me see. Please don't tell me I misplaced this book somewhere. I know it's here on this row. Oh snap. Um dang it, where is this text? Um I'm sorry. Uh, Are you looking for a book? Yeah, I'm looking for a book. Oh, oh, new conscious community books aren't wanted. <laughs> Let's get that straight. Books become an enemy of African people in the new conscious community. Yeah. Dang it, where is this text at? I'm looking, I got one of the books, but I'm looking for I have this this uh this text on the science of of war. Um, that I'm looking for. Then I have this other one, like the mathematics of relativity for the rest of us, and, and studying this stuff of relativity because you know, um, you know, we're, we're talking. We have flat earthers now for some reason, and um, they're they're gaining momentum in in con in, in convincing people that you know the the science is all off, and um, you know, so that's a, another uphill battle. But you know you have to have these other these these other sciences down, including war. You have to have books on war and, and logistics and and things of that nature. You know it'll help you even in your scholarship. If y'all can see me, I know uh, kind of all yeah. over. Uh, I'll find it later, but um, I may have put it somewhere. Um, but you know I got I, it's it's just not just simply history in ancient Egypt over here. You know, like I, I approach this as if I'm going to war because people have declared war on us, whether they Hebrew Israelites, whether they are um, Europeans, whether they in the nation of Islam and just general Muslims. When it comes to being African and African people, people have waged war on us and continue to wage war on us. And, and so you have to approach this like it's war. You know, and I come from a military family, so that's all, you know, we know. Um, you know, it is 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 about objectives and you know, neutralizing threats. That's the language, you know, we use. And so um, you know, these things just have to be kept in mind. Hmm. So, okay. So I think uh, I think we got a really good um uh, a foundation of how we got uh this is just a brief history uh you know to the conscious community 
and, and the origins of it. Um, I think another pretty good uh, uh, video on the said subject, I think it was on our uh, Sixth Dynasty. And if I know a uh, true historian's uh, work, I know it's gonna be pretty good. And so I think I'll go take a look at that, uh, you know, later on. But y'all can go look at that video and just see, you know, put these videos together in your study. Uh, I think it's very, very important uh, that you do that. And so, you know, um, there's just names and characters that that are vital to understanding the brief history of the conscious community. So y'all need to go back over the history, go back over it and just kind of just see exactly where we're coming from. And then you'll see how do we get to the new conscious community? Uh, what was the tools? What were the mechanisms that transformed it from uh, being uh, 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 grounded in science, right? How do you go from being grounded in science with the conscious community to having an uh, anti-science uh, uh, acrimony? How does that occur? How does it happen? Now, where did that come from? Who actually crept into the movement of making it anti-science? Right? <laughs> the most craziest thing ever, Saul. You found it? Science yeah. war. Okay. You know, so that's the craziest thing, Saul. We go from being centered in science to anti-science, and that's primarily the difference between the two. Mm -hmm. The original conscious community that we stand on the shoulders and the new conscious community. One is anti-science, one is grounded in science. So I think that point need to be made. Like they, I think in their head, they believe that our ancestors did too much work during slavery. That I ain't gonna do no work uh, <laughs> in this day and age. That, you know, my ancestors did all the work. I ain't got to do no work. I'm just gonna be lazy. And that's 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 the feeling. You know, oh. it's just, you know, I don't know. I know. Interesting. So let me do this real quick, man. Let me. I want to always be talking about the daggone sneaker company, the Ab Juice sneaker company. Always want to be talking about that. I'm going to tell you right now. But so, you know, Nike got the campaign. Here y'all go. Can y'all see that? You see this, saw? Yeah, I seen it. Here's a meme. It says Nike, Garvey, RBG sneakers. Really? Did Nike steal this from black owned sneaker companies? Well, no, they really didn't. Matter of fact, Nike been doing this for the last, what, four or five years or so? What you think? That's what Cuban crisis is. I don't wear sneakers, so I don't, I don't, I'm not on my sneaker game. Yeah, uh, yeah, so they had that prior to that. Yes, they had. But here's the point. Um, um, the point that's important here is that now we are prepared, okay, to make sure that our community, one, has an education process, right? that makes you understand what the red, the black, and the green is. And two, that you'll have a historical foundation to understand why you got the red, the black, and the daggone green. And if you understand why you got the red, the black, and the green, you'll understand why it's improper to support the very mechanisms, right, that continually produce things that take away from you. What am I saying? I'm saying this. You probably can find that Nike will do some things for the community. That's just what corporations do. But some things are out of order. Nike is not out of order. 
the people that don't understand why they support Nike in this is the ones out of order. Because trust me, I was I was raised in the Jewish community from about 12 onward, right? And you could never come to them selling them their culture. It'd be like the Germans, you know what I'm saying? Selling Jewish artifacts or Jewish colors or anything Jewish to the Jewish community. They just wouldn't do it. It would not happen. You know what I'm saying? It's like the African-American community <laughs> selling uh, four-leaf clovers, you know what I'm saying, to the Irish community. It's not going to happen. They're, they're culturally educated to the point where they're just not going to do it. You could try it, but you'll be standing there holding all your products and goods. So why is it that Nike can produce, you know what I'm saying, a Marcus Garvey shoe, right? And they get full support, people standing in lines, right? For one month, they'll do this for one month. Remember, for us, it's not a month thing. You know, African history is all year round, 365 days a year. But they can put out a shoe for one month, right? And we'll wholeheartedly support that. We got at least over 200,000 people to claim to be in the new conscious community. We should always be sold out and have a waiting list at all times. Why not? Why don't we have this? We don't have this because the educational process ain't there. Because you can call yourself conscious, right? I'm conscious, white man, the devil, right? But look at your feet. You know what I'm saying? And it's in very support of the very thing that you claim to fight against. This is the new contradiction in the new conscious community. That we claim to be conscious, but all our support goes straight out the door to the very thing that claims, you know what I'm saying, to the very thing that we know for sure, you know what I'm saying, has been acting against what we're doing. Man, Marcus Garvey was a very, very important figure in the lives of African people. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Hubert Harris actually wrote for that particular newspaper. You know what I'm saying? And Hubert Harris, they called him a radical. He definitely wouldn't agree with this one right here. They all turned in their graves. But I just want to let y'all know, man, that now we got something, you feel me, that can help, you know what I'm saying, fight against the economic. Because remember, really, it's a cultural war. I think Asa Hillier said that. We're really fighting a cultural war. And for you not to understand we're fighting a cultural war, man, you're lost. And here's the fight right here. Either support yourself and live, right? Or put it in the hands of somebody who don't really care about you at all. So I just want y'all to see that, man. I mean, um, I'm just saying make sure you support those who support you. That's very, very important, man. The red, black, and the green, the red is for the blood, man. What blood? Blood that was spilled. Blood of African people. Spills, uh, man, 700 years before the European transcontinental kidnapping trade, you had the Arab kidnapping trade. 700 years before that. Most people don't even know that the Arab slave trade, kidnapping trade was 700 years prior to the European uh, a global market of kidnapping African people and taking them every day going where? Blood, the land, the land we came from, the land. We was connected to the land. The trade, the, the kidnapping trade disconnected us from our lands. The green, the black, the people. So now, nah, man, never let, never let those, right, 
who benefit, watch this, never let those who benefit off of wholesale kidnapping of African people because of the global trade, damn, never let them sell you your own culture. Come on, man, put your big boy pants on, man. Everybody, you know what I mean? I hope you enjoyed the show, right? I hope you realize uh, just exactly where, you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, where the conscious community was, where it started, how it started, right? I hope y'all get that point, man. Um, go back, rewind the tape, you know what I mean? Give me a shout out, uh, to Brothers and Jetty, shout out to Sister Naya, Voices on Fire, uh, shout out to Wuja, Shashu Mani, Meta Netcher, you know what I'm saying? Uh, shout out to Nahisi, Masi Clan Warrior, shout out to Brother Ben, Masi Clan Warrior, uh, you know. Dr. Oyamayat, shout out to you, sis. You still in here? Um, man, Masi Clan, all of Masi Clan. Uh, um, Dagger Squad, shout out to y'all, man. Appreciate y'all, man. You know what I mean? Uh, um, NBK, you know what I mean? Truth historian, man. Y'all keep putting in that damn work, man. You know, we doing it all day, every day around here. We keeping the scholarship tight, man. We keeping it right. And, and you know what I'm saying, man, support Abju Wear. I want to keep that, make make that part of your vernacular Abju Wear. Uh, very, very important, uh, man, support a Black Dot Bookstore and Cultural Center right down there in Georgia, Main Street. All right, Lithonia. Man, go ahead and Google that. Make sure y'all come out, man. We're in the place. We're in the house. Man, we teaching no pseudo all day. We got our own spot. We can sit, sit back and enjoy what we're doing. All right, we show you what we do. Appreciate the donations, man. Yeah, you know I mean, it went to the uh, cultural center. Appreciate that, man. Black that cultural center and bookstore home and I'm a raw squad and Abju Wear. Yeah, we in the building. We in this piece right here. You know what I mean? It's a beautiful day, man. We can sit back and now we can challenge Nike. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Be 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 battling with them. You know what I mean, right there with them. Quality is all the way in. Now it's up to you to make the choice. See how people got to have choices. And I'm glad to be able to bring you that choice. Shout out to Niggas Footwear, you know what I'm saying? The starter of this whole thing. Appreciate you, Tariq. Man, you always in here, man. Bringing dreams true. You know what I'm saying? Uh, shout out uh, to certain people that helped me on the way. Y'all know who you is. I ain't got to say your names. Man, appreciate you. And I always got you no matter what you think. Um, it's just... Man, I appreciate all the supporters, man. Make sure y'all hit that bell. Make sure y'all subscribe. We're up to 100 subscribers, man. We need to get back to them 50,000 subscribers we used to have, man. 50,000 on one channel, 30,000 on another, man. It's crazy how they did that. It's all good, though. You know what I'm saying? We learn every day from what it is, man. So, you know what I mean? We're going to go ahead and get up out of this framework, man. And I hope y'all understand, you know what I'm saying, what it is, man. Social media platforms, man. Has turned the conscious community into the new community. I'm a raw squad up, man. Hey, look, real black atheism is on the rise, man. Y'all already know what it is. Peace.